of We Did That Shit Podcast, where we talk about who did some shit, how we got through some shit, and what we learned from shit. I'm Maya. And I'm Babi. Podcast family, we appreciate your support. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tell us what you think. We're on all social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Did That Shit. Hey, Maya. Hey. What's poppin'? That's what the the kids say. What's poppin'? Do they say what's poppin'? Because the the slang changes. Does it? I say what's good. I know. But, you know, uh, Lex and them be like, it's popping. What's popping? It's popping. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is popping to them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what's going on? How was your week? Girl, Donald Trump got my number. Got a oh bullshit. my goodness. <laughs> got a... I told my friends today, mm. I said, the next thing you know, and this is no exaggeration, you know how I say Virginia charges you for everything, like next they'll be charging you for air to breathe. Mm-hmm. The government literally is going to be putting chips in us if they haven't already done it. When you talk on your phone, ads pop up out of nowhere based off of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. When you go on a Google website, forget about it. You just, and now we got the president talking. So we got to hear him. Like what? I didn't pay attention to what it means. Do we have to like hear him just come through our phone or what? Allegedly, it was a test of the broadcast system so that they could contact people in case of an emergency, natural disaster, uh, invasion, what kind of damn, or whatever. Can, like that. Contact me in case of an emergency. Yeah. What like, kind of emergency? You know. Like evacuate your home because it's about to be a hurricane tomorrow? I, or, um, you know, foreign invaders or anything like that. And, you know, I told him what I tell everybody else. Don't call me. I'm at work. Exactly. <laughs> I'm at work. I, well, <sighs> I'll take my chances with the invasion. Like, don't go to me. <laughs> an invasion would be better than him. Exactly. You are an invasion, like, that I wanted to avoid, but I couldn't. So, yeah, I'll take my chances. <sighs> but other than that, you know, same old, same old. It's October 1st. I really got to get to the grind. Got things to do. Trying to be progressive. Oh, my goodness. I think I have a date. I said yes and was like, I got all week to come up with excuse. 
You know, like it wasn't even nothing. Like, I mean, just as fast as I said yes, I was like, you got all week to come up with an excuse. You can come up with something really good. But then the other day I talked to him again and he was like, um, he was talking about his week and everything. And he was like, I got to do this and this, this and this. And he was like, and I took off. I canceled all my plans for Saturday because I'm taking my girl out on a date. I was like, <laughs> so now I'll say yes to all dates. So I feel like I can't cancel because I thought that was, you know, people changing plans that'd be ignorant as hell. First of all, if not for nothing, go on a date because next week's show, boy, is going to be good. You want to tune into that, people, to mm. hear about this date. <laughs> So, if not for nothing, we have to get those good material. Okay. Well, how was your week? My week was, I noticed a theme in my life. Mm-hmm. Now that we're recording the podcast, every week, my week is stressful. Every damn week, it's like, yeah, I had a stressful week. Yeah, my week was stressful. My week was stressful. It's like, damn, bitch. I mean, you know, you ain't got no happy moments going right. on. But this was another stressful week. Oh, I, it was, I can't even hold you. It was stressful. I feel like that's how I was with with my job week after week after week. So I know, so because I lived it, I know it's going to get better. It's going to get better for you. When when nobody's coming up to me telling me how much it's going to get better. Um, But that was last week. You got pretty feet, but it's going to get better. (laughs) Um, No, but uh, you know what? Other than other than the news that I heard, I, I got some really like crazy news this week, and but I'm keeping it in prayer. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's about friends and family's health. And, um, you know, we just keep it in prayer that things will be looking up soon. That's right. And, you know, health is truly wealth. We talked about that in, a, in an episode. And, you know, I just want to reiterate it, that health is truly wealth. So um, we really have to take care of ourselves. And other than that, oh, oh, something funny happened. Something funny happened. I met somebody. Oh, and, and you want to know the funny thing that happened? Where it was funny that I met somebody, but the funniest thing was he smoked cigs. No, come on! You know how I found out that he smoked cigs? Because <sighs> he was like, you know, the the it's just the time that we live in. He said, "What was the IG right?" So I'm like. I don't have no IG, but follow the show because the right. show's IG needs followers. Follow us, you right. know. And so I gave him the show's IG. I said it's really used for the show, but it's some pictures on there or whatever. Right. So he followed us, and I follow him back. So I'm scrolling through his picture. Handsome guy. Mm-hmm. I'm scrolling through his pictures or whatever. I, I seen like a pack of newies. Oh. it's an epidemic no i'm like is that a pack of newies okay maybe he just taking a picture of like and somebody else is smoking newies who knows then i see another picture scroll on down and it's like another pack of newies i'm like okay then the last picture that i looked at he had the newie in his hand like so you want to take a picture with the newie so i'm like i I text him like you smoke cigarettes yeah like yeah, and I said, you be trying to quit? Right. He said, he was like, I take it, I'll be asked to. And I said, Listen. no, you won't. But that's a deal. That's a deal breaker for me, baby. <laughs> Do what's best for you. However, be 
like yeah, no. I don't like I don't like sex, Mm-mm. you know. So he's like, you know, just talking like, oh, you know. You, I guess like saying, you know how people say just saying you know, I don't like sex is not like, enough. Nah, yeah, I'm trying to um, I'm I'm trying to quit the stand up there. I said yes, smoke weed, don't smoke sex. Right, you know. Right, and so he but said, when you say it like that, that's not you gotta say it's a deal breaker. Because nah, for, first of all, I, it's listen. He like I said, and let's wrap this up. But like I said, he's a handsome guy. However. The six took him down so many notches. Oh, so, so it's I not a deal breaker him, for you? No, it is a deal breaker oh, for me. So okay. here's the thing. We talked about our standards, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about how attraction, physical attraction, says a lot, is a lot for me. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yes, certain things are cosmetic, as my mom said. However, I don't know if you have a nice personality from across the room. Mm-hmm. So being that physical attraction is a big deal for me. The six took you down, not just so now I'm just looking at you like, mm, mm, I don't even really see handsome. I see six. Exactly. So like, yeah. Yeah, but uh, if you don't say, if I I feel like if you're not emphatic that it is a deal breaker, you saying, mm, I smoke weed instead is like, I still got a chance. And I want to be me for myself. I want to be very clear. I don't care if you dapper Don. I don't care what you do great. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care. Cigarettes are a deal breaker. I'm not dating anyone who smokes. I'm not getting right. in your car. I'm not coming to your right. house. I don't want you around me. I don't want you to go outside and smoke. I hate cigarettes. And it's a deal breaker. Right. It, you know, and I'm like, damn, he look good, but oh well. Damn, he rich, but oh well. Because I'm not going to be yeah. around cigarettes. I'm not. Right, but if you don't, uh, but you saying it like, hmm. well, do you know, it, you know why I'm saying it like, hmm, because that's just how I am. I say everything is like, hmm, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I might not never see him again. You, you oh my gosh, know. exactly. <laughs> never mind. Cause I'm just saying, you know how I am. That is so, that's um, ten year before we go on a date plan. Okay, go ahead. Right. <laughs> so like, does it matter that he smokes six? <laughs> no. Okay. But anyway, so so I say all of that to say my week was stressful, but it was it ended up interesting with the with the sick news. Um, in the sick meeting, news. someone I keep you I keep you posted <laughs> on that. Um. But listen, who did some shit this week? Okay, so I have a who did some shit. It's about a white police officer out of i think it's jackson georgia and um she was sentenced to she was sentenced to 15 years in prison what she did was while she was on duty Uh the article doesn't really say for sure what happened but she shot she must have shot herself three times Uh But she cla- but she claimed that a black man shot her. Where did she shoot herself at? Like in, in her leg. leg in, in her leg. She shot herself three. She shot herself three okay, times. Okay, so she what, ma- was she trying to get disability. Like, yes, just- yes. She was trying oh, to get really? PTSD or disability or something like that. And she, sh- they said the ballistics from um from the casings that were found, two came mm-hmm. from her um issued gun that she carries on her in her holster and the other one 
came from that like the weapon that they have like at home or off duty weapon, but it was still registered to her. So it was only three casings found. Two was from her department issued, and one was from her issued or whatever. But so what? What the prosecutor is saying is that she wasted. First of all, she had she wasted all this time and tax dollars having these Georgia officers looking for a black male, six two, average build in a white car or whatever and they were looking and looking and looking all the investigation time the lie she was on the news good morning america all this other kind of stuff and she made up the whole thing so she's going to prison for 15 years now and of course her family and her attorney is saying you know that's harsh she shouldn't go to prison for all that time and she really didn't mean any harm and all that yes shut the hell up that's what you yeah. get. And then even after she does her time, she has 23 years probation. So she'll be on probation for like ever. And well, she... this is a very interesting story because it happened in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Georgia gave a white woman mm-hmm. 15 years in prison for, for something like this, right. for lying on a, a, a make believe black man, mm-hmm. is very. Um, interesting to me because I would never think that something like that would happen exactly. in Georgia. I would think that they would push that under the rug like, oh, she made it up. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The second thing about this story is homegirling thinks this through. <laughs> she really just was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm out of this job. They're stressing me out. Right. I'm out on disability and this is what I'm going to do. Right. Because how long was she does it tell you how long she was a cop no, prior to no, her? No. Okay. Because I'm thinking but like, I'm sure even somewhere. if you was a cop for Okay, even if you was a cop for two minutes, right? right and you had to go through the academy, mm-hmm. meaning that they taught you about bullet ballistics. Mm-hmm. So if they taught you about bullet ballistics, your right mind would tell you don't use your gun because it'll match up to the bullet ballistics. So she must have really just been at her wits end to say, I'm going all out for the gun. So I'm shooting myself, first of all. I might bust an artery and die. But I know if I blame it on a black man in Georgia that I'm going out on disability and random black men are getting attacked at every stop. Um. Yeah, she... It doesn't say how long she was a um, police officer, but it does say that um, she says she was shot by a six foot, 230 pound black man who was wearing a green shirt and black jogging pants. And she claimed that the man pulled out a gun and shot her for no reason. And the bullets were found in her protective vest. You know, her account sparked a manhunt. For days, it struck a fear of unrest in the community. Every man who resembled the description was being pulled over. Um, you know, and then this is what this is what the police chief said. She did a great job for us up until last night. What? So we didn't see this coming. But this was not a mistake. It was a conscious decision and a choreographed act. Um, okay, oh does say. Oh, are you ready for this? At the time, Hall was, Hall, her last name is Hall. Hall was on the Jackson Police Force for about three months. Three months. She, 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 she
necessary. She was a cop for three months. See, we're making, listen, it's just like the cop who killed the, um, the boy in um, Pittsburgh who was a cop. She, he was sworn in for 30 minutes. And after 30 minutes, he shot that boy in his back and the mm-hmm. boy died. And the thing is, is like we're making light of the situation because this shit is crazy and funny. But the fact that random black men had to deal with something like this based off of something that this woman just came up with and in her mind she thought and knew that this would be it like Mm -hmm. she can make this up about a black person and this is what would sell because no way was she going to say oh a white man attacked me for no reason and then all of this outrage and 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 across the country manhunt was going to happen she knew exactly what she was doing and so bravo for you georgia if we never say if we never say good job for anything else we can at least say good job for this you wanted to be out of the work you are you know it's a good job (laughs) She did. You know what I mean? So who else, who else um, did some shit? It's not funny, too. That's ignorant, but I don't care. Who else did yeah, some shit? Yeah, I mean, shit. You had there your PS, if you ain't going to have PSTD, you damn sure going to have it now, which I'm putting in jail. Um, and you a cop, and you know what people mm. do to people, uh, cops in jail. Mm. Um, so... I just had an honorable mention of who did some shit, mm-hmm. and then my real, and then I'll tell you about my real who did some shit. Okay. The honorable mention of who did some shit was speaking of Hall. Did you see that Pooch Hall? Uh, Derwin. 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 What are you doing? Derwin is on um the Ray Donovan show now, right? Ray Donovan. It's like yeah, a he cable left, show. He actually left the game so that he could be. Because you remember when Melanie and, and Derwin wasn't on the game anymore when right. he came back to BET. Right. He left that to do the show on um, Ray Donovan on Showtime. Well, they but, no, they um, left. They left because they wanted more money. Right. But then he got the opportunity to, to do, do the Ray Donovan right. show. So it worked out for him. But Pooch Hall, I, you know what? This is this goes to show you that we really buy into characters. Because um, Derwin was dumb as hell. Yes. Derwin would never do this though. Derwin was a nice, wholesome man who was taking care of him and Janae's baby. You know, he wasn't into this. Now Pooch Hall is on Coke, getting arrested for DUIs and letting his baby drive him home from wherever he was at. Mm. I don't know. His baby's three years old. Pooch Hall is out here living reckless. I can't. Derwin, I, I can't with Derwin. In, in my mind, in my mind, you know how when you're young and your mom and dad put you on a lap to drive? In my mind, yes. in my mind, that has to be what happened because my mind just won't let me believe anything else. Like, it was a misunderstanding and he put the baby on the side. No, it wasn't a misunderstanding. I know, but I'm just saying. You let- drove up when you were three years old and got into an accident. So, you know, I don't want to bring up old stuff. That I'm saying, I was all the way down the block. Everybody was safe except the one that jumped out the car. I had nothing to do with that. So, you know that a three-year-old <laughs> driving is not unheard of is all I'm saying. Um, so, Pooch Hall, get help, sweetheart. And, get help. Um, you know, stop letting us down because I'm thinking that you Derwin. My other... Um, who did some shit is just like something that's been on my mind for quite some time. Um, and that is gentrification. Mm. So this past, 
you know, this past uh, couple of weeks, I was out and about, and you know, I live next to DC. Right. And so I, I went over to DC to meet up with my nephew and um, have some drinks and then meet up with some friends. And I was just looking around and I said, damn, I was in a neighborhood that shouldn't have been filled with white women walking down the street in yoga pants um drinking a latte walking a dog okay so you were in georgetown you were in no i was not in i was not in georgetown okay. i was like mm-hmm. in southeast southeast you know? i was about to say southeast and i was looking around at dc and i said i remember the days when i was young and mm-hmm. i used to uh, go to dc to party when i was in college mm-hmm. and it truly was chocolate city and when i saw that when I saw those women walking around with them little ass dogs and them coffee cups in their hand and just like walking like they was just in La La Land, when Washington, D.C. used to be on the list of the dangerous, most dangerous cities in America, mm-hmm. it just was mind boggling to me. And it really made me think hard and long about gentrification and where we have come with gentrification. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, that topic today on uh, on the podcast. Okay, well, um, I live in a city that's being gentrified, and um, I do. So, I mean, let's just start at the beginning, because people talk about gentrification, and I know a lot of people have heard about gentrification, but the fact of the matter is, a lot of times, we don't ask questions, so we really don't know what gentrification is. So let me just say what gentrification is. So the definition of gentrification is the process of improving a house or district so that it conforms with the middle class or the process of making a person or activity more refined or polite. Because like, you know, they're trying to Let's use tennis as an example. They can say that they're going to gentrify tennis because all of this stuff that they're throwing at Serena Williams with the clothes that she wears and they're going to make it a rule that you can't do this and do that or whatever. That's gentrification. When you're when you're saying something is not refined or polished or up to a certain class. Mm -hmm. So. Where did gentrification come from? Because, you know, it's a new term. It's a fairly new term, but it's not new at all. So, like, in history, and that's why, and we say this all the time, a lot of things that happen to black people in America dates back to slavery. Um, So it's important to know the history. But historians actually have traced gentrification back um, to ancient Rome at about 3 AD. And the word gentry is an old French word from gentrice. And if you like Mm -hmm. type gentrice into a word document, it's going to come up as a typo. That's how old the word is. But gentrice, the meaning of it, it, of gentle birth. And it's the same word that we get the word gentleman from. Mm -hmm. So um, in England, there's a social class called landed gentry. So it was a, a... a group of like polished people, you know, so um, 
So the term gentrification was first coined by a sociologist. Her name was Ruth Glass, and she published a research study that described the influx of middle-class people displacing lower-class working people in urban areas of London. So that's like the background of gentrification. But then when you bring it across the water to the United right. States, here right. we go. Um the home of capitalism, the rich get richer, take advantage of the poor, um, things like that. But it's important to know the history and to make an educated decision about what's best for you and your family. Because like when slavery ended, black people still lived on plantations or farms mm -hmm. because that was mm -hmm. the trade that they knew. That's what they knew how to do. They knew how to take care of land. They knew how to take care of animals. So when they, even right. when they worked, that's the kind of work they did. Now, some went north and were able to take advantage of the industrialization. Um, so we have like rural and suburban blacks that stayed with the farming and agriculture. And then we had the city blacks who were able to take advantage of the industrialization and work in plants and factories and things like that. Now, the city blacks, they lived in the city close to the plants, but that's because it was so dangerous to live there. There was pollution, a whole lot of noise, not good land, you know, things like that. So it wasn't like it was a they were living in the city and it was a great place to live. No. And then, you know, urban ghettos emerged where, you know, rent control and public housing was appealing to black people. It gave them a safe structure, place to live. Um, we have to remember that jobs for black people and, and still do pay much less. Most of their jobs were domestic capacities and things like that. Um, so there were more job opportunities in the city because even if you didn't work in a factory or if you did work in a factory, your wife can get a job as a maid or something like that. So you can make a little more money. And then right. so some families would save their money and they would buy a house, but they usually bought a house in the same city close to that rent control area because they were a community. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So so it was appealing. And then um, the United States, as with everything else they do, you know, here comes the capitalism. Whoever has the money can buy up all the property as they will. And what have you know, they buy it, they flip it, they rent them out, they live in them, they do whatever they want to do. Hence, mm -hmm. the most times the product of gentrification is displacement of the poor right. and disenfranchised. So that right. so that is what gentrification is in a you know in a nutshell. In a nutshell. They're displacing mm -hmm. the poor and disenfranchised and we are seeing it everywhere. We are seeing it everywhere and what is just the most mind-boggling thing about gentrification to me is you created these areas. You just spoke about it. Right. Uh urban ghettos emerged. Right. You know? You created these places. You created this rent control for people. You created this, you know, uh, place where you basically dumped people, you know, because mm -hmm. that's all, like you said, that they could afford. And then you zoned them in with traffic right. and things of that nature. And so you created the places for the people. But then in turn, now you say, oh, no, that place looks appealing to me. Right. I'm going on Z to this place. And so 
there you had the disenfranchised of poor people. And it's like when you take poor people out of where they have known where they can afford, where do you put them? Obviously, when they're thinking about coming in and gentrifying the area, they don't think about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's just a shame, and we see it so many times. Even like you said, you're now living in a gentrified area because your area is definitely gentrified. That is a part. Of I still live in Camden. <laughs> No, you live in Camden, New Jersey, but let's be real. That is a place where people are walking around, walking dogs with a latte in their hand and yoga <laughs> That's my neighbor. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying. And so okay. even for the people who used to live in the area that you lived in, mm-hmm. when they tore down their homes, they come in and they offer people these low prices for their house. And mm-hmm. you talked about educating oneself, right. you know, on your area. And I think let's let's dive into that because that's important to educate yourself on what gentrification is. Right. And what people are doing in these areas as far as when they come in and they gentrify them. Like you talked about the history of it, but let's dive into that a little bit more. Um, educating yourself. Oh, so first of all, you need to know what gentrification looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, what what does gentrification look like? Um coffee shops. Yep. <laughs> or not That's a tall tell sign. Yeah, like or or non-ethnic eateries, you know. Right. We don't have Bain's Deli in the hood. We got bodegas. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> we, we, so if you see a coffee shop, even if it's a no frills coffee shop, you know, Brewmaster, like who's putting in a coffee shop? Who's really going in these coffee shops and drinking coffee? Um, your rent goes up. You know, your rent goes up significantly. And when you start to see businesses close or one of the, and my daughter did her master's thesis on charter schools because the education system is one of the big things that you can look at. And it's harder when, because it's funny because I still live in Camden when I, I, first of all, I lived in Camden pretty much my whole life, but um, my children never went to Camden schools. Um, And when the, um, I'm going to just say this. When I went to the Camden High School, Castle on the Hill, hey. That's now torn down. But stop hating. They, they hate her. It's that gentrification. They're haters. But that's a story for another day. So when I went to the Camden High School, um, we had great teachers. We, right. ha- we had teachers that, um, you know, coaches that can get you into college. We had science teachers that could get you into college. You got a good education. Um, you know, I went to college in the EOF program. That's because that's because I didn't graduate. That's a story for another day. Um that's because we didn't have no money. <laughs> but um when but when I went to school, it, there were uh, three people from Camden High that went to the college that I went to, and none of us had to take what do, I don't what do y'all call them the remedial classes, the O nine nines, you know the classes that you don't get credit for, you know. Right. Well, none of us had to take those classes. We were cool, you know. But I did see the education system, good teachers leaving, 
and the quality of education going down, teachers having to deal with more um, psychosocial issues in the classroom. How can you teach under those environments? And I just felt like, and you know, Jiggy has special needs. And I'm just thinking like, um, you know, you can't do anything with the children that allegedly don't have special needs. Like, what are you going to do for my son? So, you know, um, so the girl went to Christian school and I actually sued successfully. And we'll definitely talk about that. Um, the board of education so that my son went to a private school for the handicap. Right. Um, and yeah. so you talk about charters. Education news, mm-hmm. another show on charter schools and just on the educational system right. because charter schools to me are a double-edged sword. While they do, you know, I feel like, okay, when you see them coming into to the community, it's a sign of gentrification and you're like, oh, it's a definite sign. But then you know, huh? It's a definite sign. Yes. Go ahead. No, it is a definite sign. And, and so that, that, that goes to show you that our own neighborhood is being justified because there are charter schools everywhere. everywhere. I, I've never seen so many charter schools everywhere. in Camden. And the fact that they're tearing down other schools and putting mm-hmm. up these charter schools. And like I said, charter schools to me are a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it's like, okay, our neighborhood is changing. But then on the other hand, when you think about public schools, they can't, they're not equipped mm-hmm. in our city. I can't speak for other cities to handle the, they just, they're not equipped. They're because not, like but see, teachers leave. right. And what happens with this whole charter school, we should save this for another day, but charter schools yeah. aren't better. But the thing that about the justification, I'm not charter schools are better, but what I am saying, we'll save that for another topic because that's, we'll but how it, team. how it Go relates, ahead. how it relates to gentrification is most of the gentrifiers are young. So right. they don't even have, they don't even have children. They don't even have children. You know what I mean? They got Yorkies. And, um, you know what I mean? So, and then the few that do have children or if they start a family and stay there, they use uh, school choice, school vouchers, go to private schools, you know, things like that. So they're not affected by the school system, so they can care less. Right. You know what I mean? So, so that's so that's why um, your school system is a telltale sign. If you have more charter schools going up, and your schools, your public school system is getting worse, that's a telltale sign that gentrification that's, is coming. Another telltale sign of gentrification is police presence. Girl, they everywhere, ain't they? Trying to act like they part of the community. They your friend and your neighbor. Yeah, no. <laughs> Cop cars parked everywhere, even if they're not occupied. Like, yes, yep. that is a big sign. Right. You are absolutely right about that. You're right. Um, and this is the thing. And this is how I knew. I went to, um, you know, my little part-time job at um, the hospital here in the city. And a car, they got bike lanes. What? <laughs> Girl, they got bike lanes. I was just, th- yes. Because, you know, like after I eat, I take a walk around the facility and everything. Because it is a nice little walk. Get your digestive system moving and everything. And I just sat there and I stared ahead and at and they were like, what? <laughs> when did we get bike lanes? I have never seen. But you know what? We should have known that it was coming when we saw those signs that they are now renting bikes. You know how you go to the oh, major yeah. cities? So you go to Philadelphia, you go uh-huh. to Washington, D.C., and you can go and you can rent a bike. And it's kind of like you could take a tour around the city on a bike right. or like you were on a Segway or something like that. It's right. the same. They, they have that in downtown Camden now, which <laughs> is so, so when I. You know, I don't live in Camden anymore, but when I was home, was talking to my mom, and she was saying the thing about the bike, I said, mm-hmm. in Camden? 
Right. No, they, like if, they, if I get a bite and I go, I'm not. I would. I don't have to come back. No, you don't. You just leave them anywhere. But they turn off. Like they lock from a, some kind of system. They won't move after your time is up or something. <laughs> but people were using credit cards and they had warrants and people was finding them. It was a mess. I haven't seen those bikes in a couple months. The big you probably bit. won't see them in the next. Yeah. Month. But no, don't, don't. things like that in cities where people used to be scared to come in mm-hmm. are signs of gentrification. I, you know, gentrification, it, it just makes me, it makes me very angry. You know, I mean, and it's not just because it's like, oh, white people are invading our neighborhood. It's mm-hmm. not just because of that. It's just because of what you said earlier, disenfranchised people. It's like when you have projects, you know, we go to New Orleans every year mm-hmm. and uh, we mm-hmm. talk about how Hurricane Katrina happened right. and then all of those people were displaced out of the projects. Right. Even though when you ride by the projects in New Orleans, they are literally still standing. There's, they're not broke down. Right. They withheld, stood the water but it was a way for them to get all of those poor, poor people, people out, out right. so that they could do what they wanted to do with that land and how they go in, how they went in. And I'm using Hurricane Katrina as an example. Mm-hmm. And I think that you was even telling me a story about your father and right. his grandparents' land, but right. how they went and they stole people's houses from up under them because they made it seem like, oh, well, you know, your house is not well. You, right, you know, this right. property is not, mm-hmm. you know, so. And did you want to touch on the story that you told me that you're well, um, um, it was it was funny because um, right before we um, were about to record, you know, my dad called and um, I told him, you know, you know, we're about to record the podcast. And I told him the topic this week was gentrification. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit. And it was I mean, like when I say a little bit, I mean, maybe 10 seconds. And I said something and he just went bananas. Like he was talking about, you know, he was still very upset, still, you know, very, very affected by it. But he was saying that his grandparents owned a home, um, anything down, you know, past second in Atlantic. Um, his parent, his grandparents owned a home and they, the city bought their house but they were telling them like we're going to do this with that land this with the land the land is bad you might as well just sell us the house and we're going to do this and fix it and all this kind of stuff and that was in the 1960s and still to this day that area is vacant nothing they just wanted to get the black people out and they still they have not done anything um to that area and he was you know like lying crooks and all that stuff, but he was still very, very passionate. Like it happened yesterday, you know, yeah, to his grandparents. That is something to be passionate about that you come in and you actually steal people's um, homes. I know that back in the, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it must've been like the forties or the fifties or something when they had, and they still do have specific neighborhoods that, are, that they don't want black people in. Right. Uh, they were not letting you in, you know, not letting you buy a house or if you did buy a house in that neighborhood, how mm-hmm. it was so significant that they would do everything that they could, burning mm-hmm. crosses in your lawn, anything just to get you and your family out of that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was after segregation was over, mm-hmm. you know, and that we were able to now go into these areas. And I think even I think back to that time either because I think about segregation a lot. And when I think about gentrification, it always brings me to segregation because I'm always like back in the days 
of community, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we had community, right? What would have happened if we stuck by that? If that we were is able that. Stick, yes, you know, like yes, in our own communities, yes, have our own stores, yes, and, and, and it's mind-boggling to me because it makes me think about. Black Wall Street, right? Yes. Or so, so how, so how we, you know, created this town and we had everything for ourselves, mm-hmm. our own banks, our own mm-hmm. stores, our own everything. Right. And then you come and you don't want to be with us, right. but you don't want us to have anything. Right. So then they bomb those people, you know. But just thinking about what we could have been as black people had we stayed with community. Right. You know what I'm saying? How we wouldn't have had to worry about gentrification because we would have had our own gentrified areas if gentrification is what you said the definition of is more refined or more exactly and that's exactly right polished areas exactly in our own refined areas exactly so i'm sorry no because i know because i I really no 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 because i really want to get into our own but before we get there i want to talk about so i I looked up, I was trying to find like most gentrified areas or whatever, but mm-hmm. the top neighborhoods that have fell victim and or benefited by, you know, however some people look at it, gentrification are in these five cities. Mm-hmm. So Los Angeles. And the zip code is 90014. If you're listening and you're from 90014, Hit us up on social media. Let us know what the gentrification looks like. You know, if you were there when it was your good old fashioned neighborhood and you're still there through the gentrification or if you've been pushed out. And that's for any zip code I'm about to list. So 90014 is a neighborhood in Los Angeles that has been gentrified in Washington, D.C. 20001 in Houston, Texas. Seven seven zero zero three in Philadelphia one nine one two three. Now I think that's Brewery Town, or that's like mm-hmm. a North. That's like a North Philly close mm-hmm. to Brewery it Town is, zip code. You know, North Philly is. Girl, North Philly is like driving through uh, Fishtown and right. uh, Brewery North Town Philly. and all that. Yeah, yeah um, it's like driving through a whole different area. Trust so me, the Phil- Philadelphia has two. Philadelphia has two. One nine one two three and one nine one four six. I think one nine one four six is West Philly, and they have some beautiful homes in West Philly. Um, and New York has three. One one two one one. One one two two two. One one two one six. Now I'm sure one of them is Brooklyn, and one of them is Harlem. I'm sure of it. One of them is. 100% Brooklyn. It's a totally different area. Yes. So if anybody's listening and they're from any of those zip codes or they know about the gentrification, hit us up on our social media and, you know, just let us know what's going on. Join in the conversation. But I want to get back to what Maya was talking about because to me, it's not enough to just know about it. I mean, it's important to know the history, whatever. But I want to try, even if it's one person, I want to try to empower somebody to do something to stop gentrification. Now, it's okay to have improvements, but it's not okay to push out the poor and disenfranchised. And this was the question that I posed. Who, who, what, whose problem is it 
that the rent goes up and Miss Sue can't afford the rent. You know, remember right. like on Barbershop, the movie, when they were, he was like, I thought you owned this place. And she was like, I lived here 20 years. It's my place, you know. Right. But who, who's to say, who's responsible for that person being able to pay and to keep up? So I did come up with a list, you know. These are things that, you know, we talked about what you can do. And, and one thing is, the number one thing is take care of your property. Right. Whether you are a renter or an owner, or it's where you live. Keep it up. You know, I remember my aunt lived in the city and she lived on a corner property and she was a renter. And she said, and, you know, people used to try to hang out on that corner and everything. And she'd be like, uh-uh, not here. No, we don't do that here. No, I, I, no, you ain't going to stay in here. You know, and for years she lived in that house. And for years she stopped. They, nobody ever hung on that corner. So if, if it's where you live, take pride in where you live. You know what I mean? Take some pride in where yeah, you live. Take care of your property. No, go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. Even when, you know, you know, my mom has moved from Camden after living mm -hmm. there all her life. And she's been out of Camden for one year. When we were in we were in the hood the other day and I was riding by our old house and I'm like, damn, what happened? Mm -hmm. Because when we lived there, it looked like a totally different place now, you know, because mm -hmm. when we lived there, of course, my mom kept up the property. Mm -hmm. Nobody, just mm -hmm. like you said, hung out. Mm -hmm. You know, I was quick to go outside like, ah, the uh-uh, the uh, -uh, the <laughs> right. uh, -uh. We ain't <laughs> having that around here. Y'all better take that up the street, do what you right. want to do, but you mm -hmm. ain't going to do it so yes i agree take care of your property no matter if you own or if you weren't it is a reflection of you and never forget that right um it's also i this is my personal belief or whatever educate yourself like when you, mm -hmm. the saying is when you know better do better you know mm -hmm. even if you're generations 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 in the projects you know, somebody's going to go to college. Somebody's going to get a decent job. A lot of cities and neighborhoods have organizations where they have the learn about the mortgage program, you know, sick, you know, how to get a mortgage. And some of them, if you finish the classes, they'll do um, matching if you save for your closing costs and things like that. So you can learn about home ownership and what you can do to get out of a renting situation into an ownership situation. So I do believe that the more you educate yourself about your community and, you know, if you get an opportunity and I don't believe that, you know, the American dream is landing a home or whatever, because buying a house is a lot of responsibility. Um, but it just it, it gives you a, it gives you more power in what can happen in your in your house in your neighborhood your street it gives you more power. Um, so educate yourself of, to do educate yourself to do better. Go ahead. And speaking of educating yourself, please educate yourself because I know someone who right now speaking of Washington D.C. being on that list who has lost their family home and not lost it in the way of someone came and took it out from under them, lost it to dollar signs. Mm -hmm. They got so greedy with dollar signs and not knowing that you own a prime property right. in Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. You, this property has been in their family for over, I mean, probably 70 years, mm -hmm. you know, and now that the area has, been gentrified 
uh, people are coming in. All of their neighbors have sold, right? All oh, their wow. neighbors. And they're selling because you think, oh, I'm getting a million dollars, a million dollars, a million dollars. But you're not getting a million dollars in your hand. Right. Right. And, and that's holding yourself. Because if you knew, first of all, the people are coming in, they're buying the houses for next to nothing. They're offering you $50,000 or something they could get $2.5 million from, right. you know, now. And you're taking all you see is dollar signs and you're saying, oh, $50,000, you know what I could do with that? And then you are giving them in turn your history. You know, right. and it's like right. he said, if you educated yourself to know, no, no, don't sell your family's bloodline. Your exactly. Exactly. And if you are going to sell, hold out for the big bucks. Don't take the first thing right. that is, you know, because you get a lot of older people who, you know, have been in a home, they want to downsize mm-hmm. or whatever. But if you have people around you or you yourself can educate yourself, then you would know that this penny on the dollar that they're trying to give you is right. It's not enough. And don't give up your history right right but i think a big i think a big part of that and i'm going to like kind of bundle my last point with how to stop gentrification i think a big part of that is that people are always looking at the dollars you know they're always looking at the dollars if you really want to protect something you know if something means something to you anything worth having is a sacrifice you know, so mm-hmm. there are things that you, if you want to prevent uh, the misplacement of poor and disenfranchised, if your city is being gentrified, you need to resolve that you're going to have to take time that you're not going to get paid for. It's volunteer right. time. You have to take time to educate yourself, get involved with you don't have to be in politics but go to the city hall meetings learn about zoning uh protect senior homeowners there's such things called um stabilization vouchers and they give them to people who are 55 now who own their home so that if if gentrification is coming you know they have something to keep them stable because the fact of the matter is you know everybody's going to die eventually you know right. what I mean? But the, at least they can live out their years in their home. And if a right. family member is not... for your legacy. Right, but even if a family member... Family. Because families aren't close anymore. You know what I mean? So even if a family member is not able to take over your property, at least you can live out your years in your house. So stabilization vouchers are, you know, made to protect the homeless. You can't... I mean, not the homeless, the elderly. Um mm-hmm. So that if gentrification comes, they'll be protected. And these are things you need to go to city hall meetings. You need to to work to change or enforce policies of rent control, tax relief right. for long term, long time residents. Keep your historic programs and buildings open. Those libraries, those community pools, the churches, the sports clubs for the kids. Because when you use your neighborhood, people can't come in and gentrify it. Because it's already a thriving neighborhood, you know, and call on your communities of faith, you know, that they're, they're there, you're going every week, they're collecting your money, you know, they have a job to do, they're supposed to be serving the community too. So, you know, if you stick together, each one help one, you know, learn something, you can stop 
you know, the results of gentrification in your city. And it will just be to refine what you already have, but that the people won't be displaced because that's what's really important. You keep the sense of right. community and people don't have to be displaced. Right. And stop thinking about you being the only one, you know, like the be said, stick together. Right. A lot of times you have these neighborhoods and everyone has sold around you and you're like, well, I may as well too. No, no. you hold, you hold right. on to what is important to you because if they can't get you out, you know, you can be an example for someone else who might be just on that cusp of whether or not right. they want to, you know, give up and, and be displaced or move out of their home and this, that, and the third. And the thing is, is like, think about, really, truly think about it because when you become displaced, you go where? You know, right. because in the areas that they already have outside of what they created for us exactly. are too expensive. Exactly. And then they come into our areas and they're too expensive. Right. And so where does that leave us? Right. Or, or you know, people who are suffering from gentrification. I, I really just want to leave this off. Did you have anything else to say? You know what? As we were talking, um, having this conversation, I'm just sitting thinking and I think I am the only I am the only one in my neighborhood in, you know, my set development that was born and raised here in Camden. I'm sure you are. All these other I'm people. Sure you are. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm the only one. The and and you know what? I say things with authority. They be like, yeah, we're going to do that. I'm like, uh-uh. And I tell them all the time, you lucky I let you live here. I do. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and it, this, this is this. This is, the, yes. this is the ugly face. I'm sorry, I have to say this. This is the ugly face of gentrification mm -hmm. because you live literally on one street. Right. Let's call it, you know, market. Right. And when you turn the corner. Exactly. It is like if you turn the corner and you go under an underpass, mm -hmm. it is literally like a night and day. It's like the damn wire. Mm -hmm. And so that is the ugly face of gentrification that the people who are under that underpass can't even mm -hmm. imagine what's on the other side of just an underpass. Right. Literally just an underpass. But they you can't know, even imagine what's on that other side. And it's and funny that are, you said it, that. It's literally like you can walk around the corner, but you are, you are, it's like a wall is built up. It's like a wall is built up. It's like, do not enter. It yeah. really is like no, 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 no. Listen, no, I would. Because it's about to happen there, too. I was there today. No, 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 no. I was it's there. Listen. It's there because my ex-boyfriend's mom gets a knock on her door. Literally, she lives under the underpass. She gets I, a knock on her door literally every day. Listen. And every day, it's peanuts to what? Her and house will be worth. worth. Right. They, yeah, I hope she doesn't sell. Okay. I was there no, today. I was there today, and um, somebody told me... Um, because, you know, housing is a problem. And I have five displaced patients right now. All of them need a place to stay. Um, you know, some of them work, like two of them work, well, three of them work, two of them don't. They just get SSI, whatever. Somebody told me about a place. It was $400 a month. I literally just left work to go look at it, you know, to see if it was okay. And the guy was like, oh. It's, <laughs> so, but it's, it's on the other side. And I went there and he was like, oh, I filled them. You know, I had four units and they I were like rooms and he filled them. And he said, it's, it's a room in, it's a room in house. So uh, not a room. It's like above a store, whatever. So he, 
it's above it's above the liquor store. You know the liquor store I'm talking about. Okay. So okay. um it's above the liquor store. He has rooms up there. They're nice too, but it's four hundred dollars a month. He said they're all full. He said, but I have a studio. He said the studio is from here to here. He was showing me how big it is. He said, I can't show it to you right now because the person literally just moved out today. It's a mess. I got to clean it out. It's $800 a month. He told me where it was. And I went. So as I was going there from the liquor store, I'm looking around like, okay, they done fixed the street. Okay, uh-huh. this house is painted. Okay, this. I was like, they about to come right over here. There, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, because you know, I rarely go over that way anyway. But I was there and I was like, okay, this is about to be feeding right under the underpass and beyond. They right. they and really what, are. What are the people what are the people who live in that area going to do? And so right. the people who live there now are probably looking like, oh, they fixing it up because no. they don't know what's to come. Right. They probably just think, oh, we get like a little Right. No. But they don't know what's coming. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. They don't know what's coming. And when you get people who who have lived in crime written poor neighborhoods mm-hmm. all of their life, people play off of that and they say, Hey, you could move here and it could be a better opportunity for you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You could get out of the crime and the in the in the um the ghetto and you know, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. And 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 it and it goes all back to Really educating yourself, sticking together. Yes, stick together and educate yourself. Yes, right. And knowing what gentrification is, Mm -hmm. we can definitely beat gentrification. Right, right, right. Doesn't have to happen in our neighborhood. It can be used for our benefit. We can use it for our benefit and not theirs. Right, exactly. Let's put pride back into community. Exactly, Panther pride. They didn't knock my damn stuff back. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, I had a moment of silence. <laughs> yes, for the Camden High School. Uh, but in any event, um, just to wrap this up, we hope that you have um, just got some tools that you can use to educate yourself on what gentrification is. Um, just like we said, stick together, learn as much as you can about your neighborhood, and remember that we are strong when we are apart, but we are a force when we are together. That's right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here for the week. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Remember always that you can follow us on all social media platform sites. We are at We Did That Shit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, y'all, it's one word. We Did That Shit. If you are living in a gentrified area, as the B said, any of those zip codes that she spoke of. Let me read them again. Let me read them again. 90014 in Los Angeles, 20001 in DC, 77003 in Houston, 19123 in Philly, 19146 in Philly. And New York, 11211, 11222, and 11216. We want to hear from you. Yes, so if you are in any of those areas or any areas that we miss, because remember, those are the top five cities that gentrification is taking over. But if you are in a smaller area and you just want to tell us about your experience in your neighborhood and what gentrification has done to you or any way that we could help, please remember that you can always send us an email to we did that shit at gmail.com. 
Yeah, so we'll be here again the same time next week. Remember that all um, new episode drops every Monday. And you can find us anywhere where you can listen to your favorite podcast. That's Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox. We're everywhere. So anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, you can surely find We Did That Shit. We'll be here same time next week. Remember, be happy. Do that shit. (laughs) I love you, Maya. Love you too.